Blog Talk Radio. Kids, so uh, 
That's off the record. So you went to go see the game. The Bills won. Bills did win. Um, it was a strong showing right off the bat, and then it kind of was a little bit questionable towards the end after the starters came out. Um, Kevin Cobb did start the game for the Bills, which was disappointing, and within like two plays or the "We Want EJ" chant, like going throughout the stand, oh, no. which was incredible. And then EJ got in and just drove the team down the field like 80 yards, which was amazing. He'll be back for the season, right? Yes. Even though Doug Marone has said, you know, week one we're going with our underactive rookie quarterback, Jeff Toole, to start against the Patriots. Washington State legend. EJ is looking healthier. He threw a couple of late passes last night before the game. You know, he didn't plan the game. And neither did Jeff Toole because that's where we are right now. We didn't want Jeff Toole to get injured against the Lions, so we rested him. Yeah, the funny thing about Kevin Cobb <laughs> hurt himself coming onto the, onto the field going into training camp. Not a good no, concert, and then he got a, he's got a concussion. Now he has a concussion. He's not going to play ever again, maybe. This poor guy. So, poor kind of Only fitting to what happened to you. Right. So, I don't I don't want to say that I started all the Bills injuries, but my dad will definitely say that it's my fault that, like, every Bill has been injured. But first play of the Vikings-Bill game, the Bills are on defense. Christian Potter gets the ball, and it's promptly sacked. So, I'm super psyched. I jumped straight up in the air out of my seat, like clapping, but I jumped up and came down on my foot, twisted it to the left a little bit, and actually broke my foot, my fifth metatarsal. Um, it really hurt at first. I went down to touch it, but there's no bone sticking out of the skin. Like, everything felt like it was in place. It just hurt a lot, so I thought I just, you know, bruised it or twisted it or something. But then I couldn't really walk with in the game or after the game, but you know, I think the whole thing. Like, obviously, I'm going to get my money's worth, even though we got the exactly. So, like, whatever. But yeah. So, I love preseason football. <laughs> so you, it's to the point where it puts you in a boot for four to six weeks. Yeah. So the Bills have been injuring my soul for a lifetime, but this mm. is the first instance of like physical, physical injury. injury. <laughs> How long? Is so. You, you broke, so you broke your metatarsal. Yeah, it's broken. And she is, ladies and gentlemen, she is in a boot in our studio. Our first, it's beautiful. Our first casualty for Fanatic Radio, because we haven't broken anything yet, knock on wood. Yeah, so then who else has been injured? Is he just still? Is he still there? There was a scare um, during the Redskins game last week. He, he cut his knee a little bit, but he went down and... Huge scare, huge scare in Twitter. Lots of no's, lots of, like, of course DJ is getting hurt because it's the Buffalo. So it was Kevin Cobb. Then it was, no. At the game, EJ hurt his knee. At the game where I broke my foot, EJ hurt his knee and he was going to get surgery. So that happened. Then the Redskins game was Kevin Cobb and Stephon Gilmore. going to be out, like, six days deep with a wrist injury, which is, like, terrible news for Bill. Also terrible for me because I have Gilmore jersey. Mm. So... I'm still going to wear it, but it's a little sad. Yeah. So have you learned your lesson? Um, no, I mean, my family keeps... Like, she break her foot me. again, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. You heard it here like, first. What's going to happen if they beat the Patriots and people on the family this will be my hip or something? Um, it's impossible. Like, we're not going to beat the Patriots week one, but... Just tool for the win. Just tool for the win. Imagine that. Like, let's just take a minute to imagine undrafted rookie quarterback. First time ever. Tool. NFL debut beats Tom Brady, the reigning veteran king of everything, king of king, anything. Not the king of kings, though. No. It's Kevin James. He's king of queens. 
No, the King of Kings would be our good friend Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> so, a great way to start our NFL preview. Um, AFC, provided by FIFA360.com. Hey, great website. And, Flo, you have the Pats going 12 and 4 this year. I do. Where do you have the Bills? I have them. Third. I do not have them last place. I have them That's not accurate. The Bills are going to go 14 and 2 this season. I have them uh, rocking a nice 4 and 12. I do have them uh, beating out the Jets for third place. The Jets are going to be dreadful. Who do you have starting for the Jets as of week one? Uh, that's, that's an interesting point. I, I, Dallas, you talking about I was talking to some Jet friends, friends of mine, and one of them actually wants Matt Sims to start. I couldn't tell if he was being serious or not. Um, Matt Sims also legend of my neck of the woods. I think they'll probably end up going if he's ready to go. Sanchez to start because Geno Smith was just so bad. Um, against the Giants, though. Against the Giants, oh, they blew back three awful picks. Ran out of the back of the end zone, which it was better than Orlovsky's because at least he tried to throw the ball. Like he was like it was kind of a close call. Mm-hmm. Like Orlovsky, who just went straight out, he tried to come back in. Yeah, so um, Jets will be – it really won't matter because the team's going to just going to be garbage. Uh, really, the team – the clear team to beat will be the New England Patriots, even though I think the Dolphins will be a solid club as well. But I do like uh, Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, I saw them play the, uh, the Hall of Fame game. You have them making the playoffs, 8-8? Eight eight? No. Not even, if not if you would actually read my uh, we're blog, we're going down. If you scroll, or if you scroll up, you'll see that there's an asterisk. Next to teams that get the wild, Joe. Mm-hmm. No, that's just there. So, yeah, Patriots, I'm trying to a very high record for the amount of people and weapons they lost and have to rely on. Yeah, yeah but we've been down this road before with Patriots. And, again, look at the rest of the division. I mean, Miami will be all right. The bottom two are trash. Let's just be frank. And um, so, yeah, I mean, you look at the Patriots, they've got Tom Brady. And it was a good preseason. Got, They're off and have some talent on defense. Bill Belichick is just, he's still the man. So, I mean, the Patriots, they're going to win a division pretty easily. All right, NFC North, you're the Bungles. It's hard knock Cincinnati Bengals winning the division. Over the reigning Super Bowl champs, you have as the wild card. Steelers and the Browns is just uh, the Browns. Surprise, you have the Steelers 9 and 7. If they if they finish like this, does Mike is this Mike Tomlin glass? Ah, no, no way, no way. Uh, not, if they finish five, uh, even if they finish five hundred, they're not going to fire Mike Tomlin. Uh, the Rooneys, they're smart football fans. They know Mike Tomlin's a great coach, and this team is probably they're kind of in the middle ground right now because a lot of like key defensive players left or have a yeah, Harrison's the Bengals now, right? Yeah, and so. The Steelers, but they'll be back. They're definitely going to be competitive. I just think right now Baltimore and Cincinnati. I'm a big Cincinnati guy. Yeah, A.J. Green, Andy Dalton. I think Andy Dalton should there. be uh, a little better than people think. I'm a big fan of their running back, Julian uh, Bernard, the draft in the second round out of uh, North Carolina. So the Bengals are going to be team team to look out for. Exactly. Good passing attack. NFC South, Houston Texans. Many of these people have. A lot of people on NFL Network have the Houston Texans going to the Super Bowl. Really? Just because they return pretty much every offensive weapon. If, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, their drafted wide receiver from Clemson's healthy, he joins the wide receiver core with Andre Johnson, who had an all-pro season. 
Matt Schaubesbach, Aaron Foster, who was in the top 10 of the NFL Network's top 100. J.J. Mm-hmm. Watt had 22 and a half sacks last year. Oh, he was, he was on fire. Especially considering year. that he was a 3-4 defense. Exactly. You don't get a lot of pass rush out of the five technique on the defense. Wow. I don't think they're better than a 10-6 second, though. Um, I mean, they're uh, they're not a perfect team. I mean, Matt Schaub's a good quarterback. He's not a great quarterback. Arian Foster was really good last year, got a lot of touchdowns, but the, there really wasn't much uh, behind him. Ben Tate was a disappointment last year. So he took on a lot of carries, and that'll be something to look out for. The defense... Got a bunch of good players, but their secondary is a bit of a mess. Even with Ed Reed. Even with Ed Reed. But Ed Reed is, you know. All thumbs and all. Yeah, not Ed Reed of 2005. Uh, in the West, the Denver Broncos mm-hmm. paid Manning for his second year. Oh, yeah, that team is. But a Broncos team that lacks no Elvis Dumerville. They lost Elvis Dumerville from, from a uh, hilarious. Uh, Facts fiasco. We could get Devon yeah, Miller's out for the first six games. Right now, suspension in the rest. So now, and he was the best defensive player on the team. So now there's a lot of pressure on Sean Phillips, who came from the Chargers, and they really don't have anybody else to rush the passer for those first six games. So you can look at a team that could be going when he's back. It could be three and three, two and four. That's why I have him at a little lesser record than some people uh, initially would. Just because of the defense, because obviously their offense is will be electric. Bringing in Wes Welker, go for for a tremendous receiving core. Uh, A little little question at running back, but... There's too many running backs. The draft of Monty Ball, which is good. But he's been, he was awful. Then you have No. Sean Marino, who is coming back from injury, toss-up. And then Pittman, I don't even know his first name. Guy Pittman, you got Ronnie Hillman, San Diego State legend. Hillman, yeah, that's it, not Pittman, Hillman. Yeah, there may be a Pittman. It used to be, they said Michael Pittman. Mm-hmm. You a Pittman running fan? I am. Do you think? I think he's always going to be good, to be honest. I know that people are a little worried about They're the same. Team. I think Broncos are the same as the Patriots. No matter who is on this team, they'll be well, a playoff contender. Well, well where you know, they're receiving court. You have Demary Thomas, Eric Decker, and Wes Bulber. Like, that's so many weapons for Peyton Manning's throw, too. So, I'm just saying. Peyton Manning loves to use those uh, under the, you know, slot guys. Remember Anthony Gonzalez before he had his injury troubles, Austin Colley before he had, like, 18,000 concussions. True. And he loves those guys to go over the middle, and Wes Welker should have another sensational year. All right, to the NFC we go. You have the America's team, Dallas Cowboys, winning the East. Probably one of the Lotus, Lotus, I guess. Lotus, great car. Yeah, most loaded divisions in football because you got RG3 in the Skins, the New York football giants, Tyler Tomeo's football giants. You have the Cowboys winning this division. I do, actually. And uh, as I say in the post, there's a lot banking on the defense. They hired fans that had the coordinator, Monty Kiffin. So I think if they run a defensive scheme like the kind of the cover two hybrid scheme that they run in Seattle, where they play a lot of man defense. They have two very talented quarterbacks, Brandon Carr and Morris Claiborne. Um, Not the smartest Claiborne. That's true by the Wonderlick test. But yeah, but supposedly he has a learning disability. So, nah, I mean, the, what is the Wonderlick test? Yeah, mm-hmm. we could pass the Wonderlick. Exactly. As we will when I do the combine in a few months. Oh, that'll be a fiasco. And they have um, my boy uh, Callahan. Yeah, Callahan. Absolutely. 
you think Tony Romo, even with the uh, huge contract extension he got over the summer, will live up to it? Because most people would do that, you know, sink or swim. That's true. But, so I think he will swim. Um, and, uh, and uh, I mean, I like Dallas. I like the Giants. It was a tight tiebreaker. Giants lose out in like a three-way tiebreaker, either for the division or for the wild card. And I know my Giants fans will hate to hear that, but I just don't care. I don't think the Cowboys are going to be that good as long as Tony Romo is their quarterback. Like, yeah, he has a really big upside, but he still throws interceptions in like the biggest moments. Yeah, but I don't know receivers last thing. It's Miles Austin. Yeah, Miles Austin. I mean, yeah, but he's still Des Bryant. Des Bryant. Jason Wynn, one of the best tight ends in the league. Yeah, they had no running game. The line was a mess as well. Probably. I mean, like, I, 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 I will admit I am not a Romo fan by any stretch, but I think that all, everyone puts too much on him because everybody looks bad at the famous moment when he fell apart in the clutch when he fumbled the fumbled the uh, in the uh, playoff game in Seattle mm-hmm. way back when. Right, but then if you look at, I don't know, this is in – Close to me, an example when Ryan Patrick got that massive contract extension, he burned like so. Well, Ryan heavily. Patrick, it was so, never good. Well, Tony Romo was a very good. Him. At the time. Well, yeah, and that was a terrible decision. But Tony Romo was not Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know he's not, but he's unreliable. You don't think RG3 had the same year he had? Uh, yeah, well, I mean that team got really lucky down the stretch, and I think there's a big question. Maybe about, Paul Kruger on defense. Who joins Arakpo? Right. Oh no. Oh, Kruger's on the Browns. Oh no, they got someone. They get Arakpo, Lunch, Lunch. Yeah. They got Kerrigan, Kerrigan style. They got Arakpo, like Richard Alvey, Keith. That was Lunch. Was really lucky down the stretch, and the the Griffin thing is huge. So, um, and I'm not so he he tweeted for what it's worth that he's going to be ready to go, but I think that he'll have I think he'll have a good year, but ultimately. Uh, they will not make the playoffs. But they still have a lot, fair amount of holes across the board. How do the Eagles fare with this new system? I'm very excited to watch Chip Kelly's oh Oregon offense led by the great Michael Vick leading a fast-paced 80-plus play team Oh yeah, or possession team down the field. You only have them at 7-9 just because the division's so hard. Uh, well, I mean, because the team is not ready yet for the offense. There's still a bunch of holes. Um, that that record actually higher than I've seen a bunch of people. I've seen them at like five and eleven. Um, but like I love their I love what their running game is going to be. Lashawn McCoy, your fantasy guy. Yes, Bryce Brown. But like the receivers are a mess. Have had a lot of injury issues, and the defense is also a mess. And they've got an entirely new secondary, like four new starters. It's not free agency, and that's never usually a good sign. They have four different guys come together in the first part. So I think Eagles. I think they'll definitely. I think they'll be a fun team to watch, but I think that they're building more toward next year. All right, and the North, you have your pack once again, top of the division, eleven and five. No Greg Jennings, no Donald Driver. Yeah, but Donald Driver. I mean, I love Donald Driver. Donald Driver like really wasn't that big last year. I think what will be big is Jordy Nelson being out for. That's right, he's out for significant amount. Yeah, he'll be. I don't think. He'll play next Sunday, but I'd have to check that out again. But Randall Cobb, I think, is poised for a big year. James Jones was great last year, led the NFL in touchdown receptions. Very, and he had the best play in the NFL in Aaron Rodgers. So, you think he's our one? I do. Better than 
Adrian Peterson, who you have third of the Vikings. They won't make it back to the playoffs if they don't. No, that's not they won. That's another team that got caught a lot of breaks, partially because Adrian Peterson was insanely good last year. You never see guys that have, like, rushed for over 2,000 yards have insanely good years. Do it again. again. Do it again. And there's a lot of pressure on Christian Ponder, mm. who has been very inconsistent. And, I mean, you had a good defense, but it's a tough physical division, and so it's going to take a lot for them to do what they did last year. Even with um, Mark Trustman, the new Bears? Hey. No playoffs for them? I'd love the CFL. But I think that – and they were really close last year, 10-6. But no Brian Urlacher, though, but I do get T.J. Williams from the Yeah, Bucks. so, but aging defense, uh, the offensive line is still a mess, and it's been like that way for years. But I think the offense could be fun to watch if Jay Cutler gels with Mark Trust. I can see that. And then the AFC South, Atlanta Falcons, who were just a few minutes away from making the Super Bowl. Like 10 yards away from exactly. making the Super Bowl. They're back. They have a team. I I have this team as NFC Championship game, possible Super Bowl. Just because they add Steven Jackson from the Rams. Oh, yeah. Matt Ryan's back, Julio Jones, Roddy White. Uh, Tony Gonzalez. My boy, Tony Gonzalez. You have, you have the same record as the Broncos, 11-5. I do. No 13-3? No 13-3 because, you know, that's also going to be a tough division as well. The Saints will definitely be back in the mix because they got Sean Payton back, and that's huge. Because they were just under interim interim coach Aaron Cromer and interim coach friend from Jersey Joe Vitt, hmm. they were just a completely different team. Drew Brees had way too much pressure on him for that, and thus he threw a bunch of picks. You know, he still had a great year. Uh, Carolina, I think, is a team that could be that one of those teams that makes a step into the playoffs. You know, I haven't met uh, 500, and right behind them is Tampa Bay, and they've got now. Oh, we had a god-awful secondary last year. Now the great one adding to Rodriguez, taking Jonathan Banks in the draft. And that's going to be an interesting team to watch. But the key for that will be Josh Freeman. Yeah, they're going to toss up the oh, – yeah. They still have um, Vincent Jackson on Tampa Bay? Oh, yeah. He was great last year. I'm surprised. Well, if you have Cam Newton's team going 8-8, eight eight, that's yeah. definitely a wild-card division. And to the AF NFC West, you go. San Francisco 49ers, no Alex Smith. It's all Colin Kaepernick. Oh, yeah. They've had they've been bit by the injury bug in training camp. But you have them going 12 and four. Absolutely. I mean, Jim Harbaugh has proven himself to just be an unbelievable coach. The team is the only real concern I really have for them is that receiver with Mike Crabtree being out for the year. But you got Anquan Bolden in the mix, and he showed that he still got it. Vernon uh, Davis is a quality tight end. They got some. Good running backs, Frank Gore, Marcus Lattimore, rookie, with Michael James. And the defense will be tremendous as well. No Randy Boss, though. Who they decided not to re-sign. And, well, you know what? He's on uh, Fox Sports 1, and he's actually been really good as a broadcaster. And they have the Seahawks, very intriguing team I've watched in preseason. Richard Sherman anchoring a solid defense that was oh, yeah. last year. Russell Wilson returned 11-5. Yep. Making the playoffs under the great Pete Carroll. Yep. How so? What do you mean, how so? I don't know. One of the best teams in the NFL. Are they the Dark Horse? Dark Horse? They're one of the favorites. Are they really? Those those front two teams are probably the two favorites in the NFC. It'll be tough for one because one's got to go through the wild card. But, you know, And so it goes to our Super Bowl prediction for Flo in Jersey. You have the Bengals and the Seahawks. I do. 
I'm a big Bengals guy. As I said, that team, if Andy Dalton plays as good as he's talented, that team is really talented across the board. Really strong defense, good receivers, great offensive line. But in the Super Bowl, I think that they will lose out to the uh, Seattle Seahawks. So I think they're better offensively, more varied, and a little better on defense. I'm assuming you don't have this Super Bowl prediction, Aaron. I don't have the Bengals. That's not who I would, you know, choose on the AFC, but I wouldn't have the Patriots in the AFC championship either. Go back. I think that there are better AFC teams than the Patriots. Well, Flo has the New England-Denver game, which would be awesome to watch. That would be a great game. Yeah, but again. Houston wouldn't lose Cincinnati. Why not? Houston's not that good. Houston better than Cincinnati. No, they're not. Flo has Houston. Flo has Cincy as the one seed. I do. It's arguably the best record in football playing from the Bengals. I'll be very intrigued to watch that. that. What is wrong with that? No, it's, just, it's very, it's bold, which is great. We love having that on our show. It's not out of left field. But who is your, Aaron Vale, who is your teams to meet in the Meadowlands? Denver and Seattle. Denver? Everyone high on the Seattle parade. As soon as Seattle goes away from Quest or Central League Field, they are not as good as people say they are. But I could be wrong. I usually am. Usually. 4% of the time. Because no, no one's perfect. Uh, I said last year after the Super Bowl, when our Super Bowl prediction show, I said the Patriots would make it back to the Super Bowl. I'm going to stick by that because that team always finds a way to do damage, and especially how crazy and lost out of the playoffs were last year where one Hail Mary play got the Ravens to Foxborough, and they were just riding a wave of momentum. Everyone's going to count the Patriots out, and usually when everyone counts the Patriots out, that is when they do damage. I could see New England going back to the Super Bowl, and the NFC, I'm going to stay with the Atlanta Falcons. Ooh. I think uh, Matty Ma- Ice, that team is, is, is just good. If they can if they can weather the storm of Sean Payton New Orleans this year, then it could be interesting to watch them. Because I think adding O'Shaughnessy on the defense is key. Steven Jackson in the running game is key. Because now you have all the pressure taken off Matt Ryan in the passing game, Roddy White and the core of receivers he has. Those teams love to pass the ball, and and everyone is saying this is a pass-first league. So Because I think the Broncos' defense is a little shaky, which is why they probably won't beat New England. I think Houston... A lot of inexperience in the playoffs because they went to Foxborough and just got waxed by New England. Yes, Although they could be another team that can make it back to the Super Bowl. I just want an AFC team to win it again. Not that I have any bias towards that or anything, but it would be just nice to see them win in a outdoor stadium Meadowlands Super Bowl. I hope it snows, too. It's, uh, the Farmer's Almanac is saying that it will. Exactly. And who can argue with Farmer's? To help this economy grow. So the first football game is Thursday night, Ravens-Broncos rematch of that division game at Denver Denver will win. And then, end of their intriguing games, Aaron Vale's Bills kick off against the Patriots. What, do we have a line in that game that's over 7, under 7? Oh, we don't, we don't do Vegas on this. We ain't about that life. Well, Falcons-Saints on Fox should be a good game. Mm. And the Giants and the Cowboys... With Monday Night Football being the Eagles and the Skins at FedEx Field. Falcon Saints will be the lead game in the early window. We will watch that. And we will take a break. Yeah. When we come back, we will talk about our wonderful summer and some college football featuring my boy, Johnny Manziel. 
Fanatic Radio. Get ready to break the pain! <laughs> the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio. As good as it gets. The reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's cars. Fanatic Radio on Blog Talk Radio.
TV because believe it or not, we will be simulcasting this show on YouTube and American University's television channel network. That Actually, let's let's not jump ahead of the gun, eh? Oh, because if you do that, we get disqualified, and everyone else happens to get disqualified. You get ridiculed on NBC Sports. But what? Yes, don't worry about it. <laughs> anyway, college football started last night as Flo hinted at the beginning of this show. I've already been front. Aaron Bell, who just ran out the door. We thank her for joining us on our NFL coverage. We're giving us 100% biased opinion of the Bills, which they're not going to be as good. And they've been through how many head coaches in, in, in as many years? Who is this again? Buffalo. Um, this will be the uh, third, and I guess, Four, five, I forget how many years Chen Gailey was coaching. Mm. But, yes, I got Doug Marone from the Cuse. The Cuse. Uh, before that was Chen Gailey. Before that was uh, the immortal Dick Duran. Mm. Exactly. So, I mean, I would say he's Emmanuel healthy, though. He, well, he looked like a pretty good quarterback from what I saw of him. He was good in college. Should we go, go to now? College football is among us. And you have heavily favored Alabama winning the national championship this year without a statement of a doubt undefeated season? Uh, yeah. I mean, even if they get to one loss, I think that they'll probably still end up being it. But I think they're going to go undefeated. I really think that that team's loaded. You got A.J. McCarron, who I think is going to have an excellent year. He's going to be a legitimate Heisman contender. Will be the first time making the top ten in the Heisman vote. Uh, T.J. Yellen has back. The offensive line lost a bunch of guys. They still have uh, Cyrus Kuanjo. Ah. I'm probably butchering that name. He probably still loves us. But Sam, you still have a, you'll have a strong defense and, you know, a Nick Saban team. Running game? No Eddie Lacy? No, yeah, we got T.J. Yellen. It was awesome in the FPC Championship game. So Nick Saban finds a way. The return of Ohio State, they are officially eligible for the national championship after Ooh. last year. They, AP, they, they shared AP number one. Um, I think they, they, they went undefeated. Exactly. So, that, so now you have a lot of different storylines. Um, an Oregon team with no Chip Kelly. Yep. And South Carolina's in the top ten with the old ball coach, Jack Dreschers. South mm-hmm. Carolina, who looked pretty good last night. The late Zach Drescher. Exactly. Uh, Georgia Bulldogs in the top five. Yeah, I, I think that team's going to be very good. You've got a st- very strong running game. I like Always a strong running game. Very a lot. Uh, you know, and they've, I think they'll have a solid defense, even though there are some concerns in the secondary. And that's a very strong team. But that game against uh, Clemson in Death Valley Saturday night, that's going to be wild. Can't wait for that. College game day is there, too. Yes, they are. It's the first time in years that college game day week one will be at a campus. Usually they've been at the, uh, like, a neutral. An alternate site. Sometimes the game was in the Peach Bowl. Usually they put that in the Georgia Dome or whatever. Yeah. But teams in the top ten, who are some that you should, say, keep an eye out for? Uh, I think Louisville. And Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah, I'm a big Bridgewater fan. I'm a big Charlie Strong fan. That team. Uh, Won the Super Bowl, right? Yep. They, they, they outbeat a, a, a great Florida defense, unit, no matter how inconsistent they were offensively. But, you know, Louisville's got a very good shot to go undefeated because the, Amer- the American Athletic Conference, uh, I mean, Cincinnati's not a bad team. Rutgers isn't bad. Um, but they're the clear top crew, and they're a team that could bear that I think will probably go undefeated. 
And, uh, you know, if some teams bounce around, could they possibly get to that national championship? I don't know. Andy Roddick, for what it's worth, is, is like in uh, Louisville. So there's that. So is our good friend Colin Coward. Yes. His credibility is next to probably a chicken on a farm. But then we have, I'm sorry, Stanford. Stanford winning the Pac-12 or Oregon? Uh, I like Stanford. I got Stanford winning it. I think the Stanford team, you know, you have Derek Hogan will be under center. Kevin Hogan, rather. David Shaw has proven that he himself is a tremendous coach. And now he's taking the reins. I thought he would be good initially, but I didn't know what he could do over a long stretch. And he's been tremendous. And so we got physical defense as well. I think that Oregon-Stanford matchup is going to be a great one. But it's on the farm, so I give a slight edge to Stanford. Okay, and of course, uh, the infamous Texas A&M is 7th and AP, 6th in USA Today. We'll go to our next wonderful topic of what we did over the summer. We know what Johnny Manziel did over the summer. (laughs) What are your thoughts on all that? First of all, the big thing that caught my eye with this kid being an absolute clown was the uh, Peyton Manning, the Manning Brothers passing camp. Yeah. I was working at the Hall of Fame this summer, and of course we're following it. Wait, you were working at the Hall of Fame? I was. I didn't know that. Lo and behold, I was in Canton, Ohio. Great job. At the home of professional football history. Big shot. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, you Crime's not that bad there. Not as bad as some other cities. Okay, fair enough. It's, but. It's better than staff. It went through $27 million renovation. It looks beautiful. I recommend everyone to go see it. And while I was there, a lot of big football news, you know, came up. Obviously, the great Deacon Jones passed away, which was big. Rest in peace. Literally. Yeah. And so the man's out was a, was a hot topic among the office because Manning hosted the passing camp and originally caused players show up the first day and come back the last day to do, like, skills and challenges and whatnot. Reports and tweets are saying that Manziel was there the first night and they did not come back. Went homesick, was dehydrated as Twitter leaked photos of him going buck wild at a bar. <laughs> Uh, and so do you think he's off the hook? You think it's all going to happen this summer? But no, Nin services and sources leaked uh, summer fake photos, but then the huge story broke saying that he was paid for autograph signings. Yeah. And that has now sparked a huge firestorm in the community of uh, the NCAA. As I believe it was a few weeks ago, the NCAA officially cut sales of uh, merchandise. Yeah, it was actually a pretty humorous thing is that uh, Jay Billis on Twitter, he was one of the best, a must follow on Twitter. Yes. He was co- basically clowning the NCAA, as, as a lot of people do, the NCAA is a joke. And so you were able to look up, he showed, uh, if you looked up Manziel on uh, NCAA.com, you can come up with the Texas A&M jersey with his number, number two, in the back it says football. So, you know, a lot of people are like, wow, they're making money off the merchandise that, He's not making up. Now, that, and that's a different story, but that's still comical. And then it showed this was happening again and again. Like, he was just looking up and this is what, what was coming up. And then they eventually got rid of the search bar at one point on the website. And so, but yeah, this is like a lot of people are saying, well, he should be able to make money off his likeness and such. And I think that's certainly a fair criticism. I am actually one of the few in the minority here that I think that college football players should not get paid. Like, But I, I also don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to where if you're going to use your likeness that they get a certain cut. 
Like, I don't know how much they would get, but if you buy a number two Manziel shirt, which is clearly a Manziel shirt, as by the fact that his number says football where his last name would be, I think that's a, you know, I think that's something that is legitimate and they should get some cut of the profit, but I am actually not a fan of paying players, uh, but, and thus this whole thing with uh, selling his, um, his autograph, which does violate the NCAA rules, so technically he is breaking the rules, but it's just a uh, debate of whether the rules should be in place. And we all know that the NCAA is a complete farce. So. Exactly. It's funny you mentioned Jay Billis, because I see what he said about good friends, Mike and Mike in the morning. All you have to do is say Pandora's box and chaos, and as if uh, you know we'll have rolling blackouts and uh, you know world monetary systems will collapse if the players get anything. It's really kind of lunacy when you think about it that we're saying that the only thing that's holding this entire multi-billion-dollar enterprise together is the players receiving nothing more than their expenses that are incidental to their participation. I don't believe that. I think that if we allowed, we could certainly reasonably regulate payment to players, but if we allowed players to to receive money outside of school, the the so-called Olympic model, uh, you you could regulate it by saying it has to be a legitimate business deal by a contract. I don't think that people would stop watching college football or that, that students would stop going to school or would stop being good teammates or good people, or there would be lawlessness in the streets, if Johnny Manziel had a contract to sign uh, all those items. Because if, if, that was, if that was a professional, uh, if he were a professional player and did that, he would sign a contract with a card company. They would demand exclusivity because they wouldn't want the market flooded. And everybody would have contract remedies. It would be an orderly business deal. Uh, now it's underground. And, and it, 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 there's more chaos now than there would be if this were opened up and, and business were allowed to be conducted in the normal course. I think all these rules were created based upon this mythical level playing field that because this school can't afford it, well, we've got to restrict this. And that's why we have fruits, nuts, and bagels, uh, but you can't have cream cheese and all that because that would be a meal. It's, it's trying to make everything fair, not because somebody gave out cream cheese once and that, you know, that's, it's, this, it's not fair. It's not fair. And it's kind of a ridiculous way. To, it's not a policy justification to limit one class of people in a multi-billion dollar business because I, I just, I think this is wrong and I think we can do better. When Johnny Manziel is, is being sold by his own university for $20,000 for his boosters to sit with him, the schools do it. They line up items for their players to sign so that they can use them for their own benefit and their own purpose. And, the, the, you know, so that happens all the time. You know, the idea that, that players aren't signing autographs and aren't sitting down for photo sessions that are going to benefit the school and benefit the NCAA is ludicrous. Of course they do. And it would operate in an orderly fashion in college. The problem is everybody's getting paid now except the athletes. And the people who are getting paid don't want to let up on it. Interesting uh, comments by ESPN's Jay Billis. You say that no athlete should get paid, though. Yeah, because my my theory on it is that if you put on that can of worms, and the person who I uh, the point I listened to was uh, was Fox Sports analyst Petrus Pachetvikis from a few years ago, and he makes the point of all right. So now you're if you pay players. Which players get more? How much do other sports get? College basketball, that's pro- that drives in the second most. College baseball, how much do they get? So, and then 
But in terms of college football, that basically means that it gives, a, in my opinion, an even more of an advantage to the bigger schools from the smaller schools than are already as is. At a disadvantage. At a, at a disadvantage. Financially, at least. Financially, absolutely. Because a lot of the smaller programs, and even some programs like in BCS companies, like I look at Iowa, for example, that usually has money issues. So how are they going to be able to come up with the money to afford to pay for these players? Uh, but certainly the smaller schools. What, like, so is, if Johnny Mantell, is he going to be the most played guy? What about uh, left tackle Jake Matthews? What about so on and so forth? It opens all these questions, and then you look at other uh, student-athletes in the NCAA, swimmers, volleyball players, any golfers. of that, where there's certain golfers, where there's certainly not the amount of money that's coming in for college football. But they're at the top of their sport. But they're at the top of their sport. So I think that my theory is that, in, yes, of course, the system is inherently unfair, but these are, let's not like act like these players are not getting anything. They are getting a scholarship, free ride for most of them. They're getting a free ride. So, and that is what it is. Um, they have to take court class seriously, but if you're going to be an NFL player, I mean, how much are you really going to pay attention, you know, intro to business or something like that? And so, and thus, you're opening this can of worms, and I think that it will damage a lot of athletic departments. And, but, again, I don't mind, and I think it was something that Jay Billis was talking about, is if you pay, if like if you give him a cut of like if he's if you're selling his merchandise, you give him a cut for that. I don't have a problem with that. I think that's fair because you're not giving him a salary, but if you're going to make money off of him in that aspect, you're giving players guys. money from when they well now they don't do won't do NCAA football anymore because there was a big lawsuit in that. They're asking a college basketball game in a couple of years, and I even remember this college baseball game which was not very good, but I bought it one year. And so I really think it's going to open a can of worms that I don't know if they, the NCAA wants to go down. So, I mean, again, it's not a perfect system by any stretch, but and it definitely is flawed and unfair, unfair. But I think that, you know, you will solve some problems, but you won't solve all of them just by paying players. Exactly, because I'm, I'm with you on that. Well, there are a few things we agree on. Hey! Players should not be paid. That is for the pros. It's just it's these fat cats at big universities banking off huge profits. Because the NCAA is such a mess. We we had uh, Dan Dan Levitard was on this show. He talked about the University of Miami was getting pounded by the NCAA. They actually messed up the investigation. And that was last year. And if it's been worse last year, imagine how they're going to completely botch this up because they can make a decision ultimately and no matter how many times ESPN has panels or other sports networks debate about it I don't think players should be players should not be paid because like you like you and I were saying they get free rides you know like you and I we have to pay tuition to go to the school we do and it's not cheap it is not cheap and certain players you know their their athletic abilities get them so far of course and their reward should be making it to the NFL, making it to the NBA. That is our take on it. Uh, 30 seconds on the live show. You can go to uh, iTunes and search Fanatic Radio. Look for the logo with the colorful radio tower to listen to the first episode of our new season. Also, you can listen to all the archive episodes at your convenience, including our 4th of July episode. Congrats on winning the uh, Nathan's Hot Dog Championship, by the way. Unfortunately, I did not. 
And I'd love to do that, though. Mike Friel did join us. But once again, uh, FNAC Radio is sponsored by AM Warriors. Yeah, no, on the 4th of July show. Oh, okay, over pardon the summer. Me, pardon me, pardon Over the summer, he did. But, so, Johnny Menzel, suspended only for a half. Is he likely to repeat as Heisman? Or do you think all of this will, and his entire summer, will affect his game this year in Texas A&M? Uh, I mean, I don't think he's going to play as well as he did last year. I think he'll still have, definitely have an excellent year. I mean, he still have a very good team around him. Kemp is almost an excellent coach. Well, he had an awesome offensive line. Like, he had what are likely going to be top five pro, uh, tackles. And Luke Jokel. Yeah, Luke Jokel in number two. And then uh, Jake Matthews, if he has a strong year like he did last year, um, then he should – you'll probably be in the top five of the NFL draft come April. Uh, but I don't think he's going to play um, as well. I think he'll have a little bit – I mean, he'll still, again, like I said, Still have a sensational year. I, I don't have a win. I, I think I actually think Braxton Miller's going to win it from Ohio State under Urban Meyer. because And he is a guy that Urban Meyer has never really had at quarterback. You look at, it like, you look at like, a Tim Tebow, but Tim Tebow didn't have the speed. He was more of a physical runner, but he didn't have, like, the game-breaker speed that Braxton Miller had, which makes him a little similar. You know, he's not a big guy, but more similar to what, Cam Newton would have had had he stayed at Florida. Mm. And that way, who knows what could have happened there. Maybe Urban Meyer would still be at Florida right now. So, but I like Braxton Miller. I honestly think Javion, I, I can't pronounce that, Clowney from South Carolina. I think he'll definitely be in the mix. I think he'll have a huge year this year. And then there are a bunch of other guys. Adrian McCarron, I think, will be in the mix. Uh, this is kind Teddy of, Bridgewater. Yeah, Teddy Bridgewater as well. So, I think this Heisman uh, race is going to be uh, – it be pretty fun. Better than last year's. I I agree. Where we had Colin Klein, uh, Johnny Manziel, and Manti Teo, Tyler Tomei's boy. The Gold Dummers are in the middle of the top 25. Interesting to see how they will. But now it's time to get to the best and brightest, or worst and bright, or worst and dull of the summer. Interesting enough, something, you know, Flo, we, you were working with a congresswoman? Uh, assemblywoman. Assemblywoman. Uh, New Jersey State Assemblywoman. Out of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Aiding basketball with Aaron Zimmerman, on the other hand. She was uh, venturing in something a little different. Okay, so most people for summer vacation work as, like, camp counselors. Some have internships, but you did... The Maccabi Games. <laughs> which um, was, or I is... went to Israel for three and a half weeks um, and toured the country, saw all, like, the historical sites, all the tourist sites. Um, I got to meet other Jewish people from all around, from especially Australia, Canada, Great Britain, um, and obviously Israel. And then um, we, the last week, we actually played, and obviously basketball was my. <laughs> but there is tons of other sports. I know Ben, from who kind of wrestles here, he went here. He was also there. Um, there was a cyclist. From here. Oh, really? Yeah. What, what are the Maccabi games? Did I pronounce that right? Yeah. Maccabi, Maccabi, uh, there's actually a difference. I don't know. The but um, it's almost like the Jewish Olympics. It's the third biggest or third largest um, sporting event in the world. So, yeah. How'd you find out about it? Um, I did it four years ago, also, um, on the junior team, which is the younger team. Um, 
I don't know. I think my dad heard about it because there's smaller competitions within the United States, and then there's other competitions that there's like the Pan Am Games. They go to Australia, but they're always during winter break, and I can't go because I play basketball, which is in season. Because <laughs> I would love to go to Australia, but um, so I think my dad heard about it through um, the GCC, which is like the Jewish Community Center or something like that. I'm not exactly sure. So, yeah, not that I ever played in the small ones. I only went to Israel, the big one, which only happens every four years. So, yeah. So, how was it? Fun? Amazing, yeah. It's, um, compared to last time, I think it was better just because um, I was older, so I had already experienced a lot of, like, the sightseeing and things like that, but just, like, that second experience, I really, like, took in the meaning and, I don't know, just... We also got to explore the city more on our own. We weren't lock and key. Like, <laughs> we stayed in Jerusalem. We stayed in um, Ramat HaSharon, which is right near Tel Aviv, and we were allowed to go out of the hotel complex and go walk the streets and go to the local stores and talk to the local people, where four years ago when I went, um, we were on a kibbutz, which is like a independent community, and literally there's gates going in and out, and, like, we were not allowed to leave without our coaches, so... We didn't really explore on our own. <laughs> so it's like an Olympic village, like an Olympic village there. Um, not kind of. Um, my hotel, once we started playing games, was all women's and men's basketball and all women's and men's um, volleyball, and then there was um, chess and fencing. So, um, so that was like, so that was those sports from all the countries. So the Australian girls were, like, on the floor above us, and, like, the Canadian girls were on the other side of the hotel. So, like, at night or whenever we had free time after touring or after practice and stuff like that, we would all, like, congregate where they had Wi-Fi because, you know, we had Wi-Fi in, like, this one little lobby. So everyone would be, like, cramped in there trying to, like, talk to people from home and stuff like that. But we would be able to mingle and interact with the other countries. All right. So. Coolest thing you saw in the, within your first two weeks? Coolest thing. Hmm. I don't know, because I've been there already. I've had already kind of seen everything. What was better the second time around? Um, I don't know. It was, it was most interesting to see um, the Dead Sea is, like, evaporating at, like, the highest rate. I don't know exactly what. But, like, the walk to get there is so much longer now, and you can see where you used to go into it. That wasn't really the best thing, though, because that was kind of annoying. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, like, hot out, and you have to, like, walk all the way down. It's, it's horrible. It was, like, a mile walk down to, like, the water, where it used to only be, like, a half a mile because it's receding that much. What would be the coolest thing? I think something. What's it like to float in the Dead Sea? It's pretty cool. Is it, like, surreal when you get in? Yeah, and you, like, don't know what to do because you don't want to, like, like, I don't know. I had my camera in one hand when I was doing it, so I was, like, trying to, like, just sit, and I didn't want to just, like, plop into the water. <laughs> but if you just, like, plop into the water, you'll just, like, float back up to the top. Like, you don't hit the bottom. Um, my teammates hated it because if you like have shaved that day, your legs are killing you. And it's like any tiny little scrapes, burns, like anything, it hurts so bad. But I mean, the experience is awesome. People will sit there with like newspapers. The water is really good for your hair, for like girls, obviously. Um, like people who are from the area come and take like huge water bottles of the Dead Sea to like use on their hair and body and the minerals and everything from it. But then the mud, the mud's pretty cool. And then the sulfur showers are kind of, <laughs> you have to, like, make sure you read the science. Some of them are sulfur showers, and you, like, try and put your face in salt water, and it's just is mm -hmm. horrible. 
What else is cool? <laughs> um, we did something different. I really wanted to go kayaking on the Jordan River, but we didn't get to do that. That was cool. I can't think of the coolest thing. Um, I would probably say, um, I don't know, just toying with all of the people we toured with. There was a lot of different people. Um, we toured with this one guy, um, Shane Smith from Canada, and he um, played in the pair. Paralympic Games, like the basketball team, but he was from Canada, but played for the U.S. because they didn't have a team, and, um... Oh, wheelchair, wheelchair basketball. Yeah, wheelchair basketball. Okay. He was awesome because, um, he toured with us a lot, but obviously he can't do everything in his wheelchair, but then we were with, um, the hockey team, the U.S. hockey team as well was in our tour group, and, like, how we all just kind of took care of him and took care of each other was really cool, and I think that experience was, like, my favorite experience, if I could change the question a little bit. Um... <laughs> But I think probably just, like, the people I was with was, like, my favorite part of the whole thing. Because without the people, I had already seen all the places, and they made it this much better this time around. How was the basketball? Um, It was better competition. The worst last time? Yeah. Like, <laughs> last time we beat every team by, like, 20, 25 points. This time um, we played Israel in the first game, and we went into overtime with them. They had a three at the buzzer. And so we ended up beating them only by five in overtime. And then we played Canada and beat them pretty handily. <laughs> but, I mean, it was, like, a good game for, like, a while. Our team was all um, D1 and, I guess, D1 and D2 players. So, I mean, we had a pretty decent team. And then um, we played Australia twice in a row, just how the bracket ended up working out. And then we played Israel again in the final. And we shot... Almost, I always say 100%, but it was like almost 100% in the first half, and they just couldn't stay with us. We had so many three-point shooters, and they just couldn't guard all of us. So I ended up beating them pretty handily in the final, but it was still just so exciting because everyone got to play then in the gold medal, um, and afterwards the gold medal like ceremony, your whole like team comes out, all the other teams come out, and I don't know. The gym was pretty packed for it. The guys' game was afterwards, so that might have been why, but um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. And, like, a lot of the families came, so, like, they took up a big portion, and everyone was chanting USA, and that was probably that, yeah. How cool is that, to have people, like, representing your country yeah, and hearing that? Yeah, um, I don't know, you, like, don't realize it, kind of, like, when, obviously, when you're playing and things like that, but, like, we came into a huddle at one point, and we were like, we're not letting, like, do this for your country, and I'm like, do this for our country, like, I know, it's, it's a great way for, like, us to represent Jewish people from America because a lot of times we're said not to be athletic and who even knows you're like Jewish and things like that so it's like proud like I'm very proudful of being able to go to the Jewish Olympics and the Kabia Games and participate and win gold and like I don't know just <laughs> Are you allowed to do it again in four years or will you be too old by then? Um, I can do it so there's for women's basketball there's the junior team which is till you're 18 and then the open is 18 to 28, so I could do it again. Um, and then there's Masters, which is you basically just pay to go tour and stuff like that. You actually play still, but it's a lot of older. Like, I don't even know if we had a Masters women's team. I know we had a Masters men's team, and there's, like, a bunch of older guys who still play basketball, like, probably at their lunch break and wanted to go on, like, an awesome vacation in Israel. <laughs> so um, I could definitely do it. Um, I'll only be 24 
by then, but I have graduated college, and I do want to look into playing in Israel after I graduate now. Um, so, yeah, I might already be playing there. So. Are, you allowed, are you allowed to compete? Do you have to be an amateur? Like, are you allowed to be playing with a pro team and still play with them? Um, I believe I would be able to, yes, because um, my assistant coach um, played on the Open women's team four years ago, and she had played in Israel. For, uh, she played for one year in Israel professionally. So would you do it again? Yes, definitely. <laughs> Go for three, yeah. in a row, three in a row? Yeah, that would be my third. No, I would definitely, if everything ended up working out. I wasn't going to go um, this summer just because of, I thought I should stay at school, maybe get an internship. I had shoulder troubles. Um, so there's a lot of like reasons why I was thinking of staying and not going, and I'm so happy I went because it was ten times better than last time. I don't know if it's just because I'm still coming off like the high <laughs> of it, but um, yeah, I would definitely, definitely do it again. How does the international game translate to college? I guess from what you've put from what you've played in over yeah. the summer. Um, it's similar. Um the rules aren't as strict, like foul shots, people are just walking across the lane and we're just all the American girls are just sitting there and we're like, um, excuse me, we're shooting a foul shot, like but um they kind it kinda of goes quicker. The ball will be handed in right away, they don't take time. Um, the physicality for the most part, a few of the games were kind of called really closely, which we were confused about because the first game we played against Israel, so we probably had Israeli refs, and they were probably like home court advantage and literally just bullying each other, like both teams were. Um, but so the physicality, I guess, is just a little bit more. They let you play a little bit more, which I don't mind at all. Um, a little bit like more hands-on. So, uh, <laughs> but besides that, um, the three-point line is further back. The paint is angled out. The ball is supposedly a little different. I don't think it actually is. Um, but yeah, just it's not. I mean, it's the same game. It's just some of the rules are just a little. Uh, what What are some things you'll take away from this second time around? Um, as an overall experience, I just have so many new friends, and the whole team is still like my family. We still talk almost every day. Like <laughs> we almost go a day without talking, and someone's like, "We haven't talked all day," and we have like a huge conversation. Um, and then just the experience and being so prideful of Israel and everything that's going on over there now. And when I was there, like, you feel safe when you're there. You don't, there's no talk of everything else. Well, there's obviously talk of everything else going on, but it's not everyday life. And just the whole culture is very different. And even the whole Jewish culture is very different than what it's perceived as here in America because it's very much about the culture and not about the religion. So obviously there are people who are very religious and orthodox in Israel, but a lot of times it's family gets together on Friday night and no one does, like, everyone comes to dinner and grandma's been cooking all week and literally I went to a Shabbat dinner in Israel with one of my girls who has family there and there is so much food, like, and they won't let you go without trying everything and having seconds right. of everything. Um, so that was kind of cool to experience that also and just make me more proud of who I am and where my people are from and things like that. So, Hey, so American University women's basketball play the Maccabi Games. It's the Jewish Olympics, their largest sporting event in the world, behind the University Games, in which AU volleyball player Monica Shmidova represented the Czech Republic, and the largest is the Olympics. Yeah. Interesting uh, thing that she did this summer. Very cool. Best and worst of the summer. This is going to be our tweets from Flo. 
<laughs> we're bringing that back. We're trying to get actually that section sponsored. Sorry, no booty calling today. We're sort of pressed for time. True. Best and worst of the summer, Ben Florence. Take it oh, away. Oh, wow, I had a great summer. It was my first summer where I was home for the full time. I didn't go to camp. And uh, this would have been my ninth year at camp. So I wasn't there for some point. But I did. Uh, uh, working was good. Uh, yeah, I interned with the state assemblywoman, uh, Valerie Veneri Huddle. Uh, I worked at a funeral home. And But the best part of my summer may have been uh, even better than when I went to show it, but my friends, when I drove up to camp, spent the day up there, uh, you know, saw a bunch of my friends and uh, people I work with. I stayed with a good friend of mine up there in Vermont, and I was just like, I realized how awesome, well, I, I knew, obviously, I knew how awesome the place was, but, like, you know, you, I had started to miss it, because... When put it all in perspective. Put it all in perspective, because I had started to miss it, because I'd be, like, on Facebook, and they'd post pictures, and I'm like, wow, this is what I'm missing out on. But, yeah, that was the worst part of my summer. Hmm. Worst part of my summer may have been when I got, uh, I had a really great summer. I really had a good time. Worst part was when I got the really bad sunburn when I went to the Jersey Shore, um, and one, that may have been late, that must have been late July, and so I got a really bad sunburn, and that was just painful. Well, it was just a, a nuisance, and, uh, but, uh, yeah, how are you, sir? How was your summer in that beautiful Ohio? It was, it was great. I had to thank my aunt and uncle for letting me crash at their place the entire summer. Uh, best part of the summer? Definitely the uh, working at the Hall of Fame was an experience of a lifetime. The, the enshrinement ceremony is probably my favorite event. Uh, Bill Parcell, a very empowering speech, uh, induction ceremony speech. Warren Sapp, funny as always. Uh, Jonathan Ogden did not know he was a native of D.C. Went to St. Albans High School, which is actually down the street from here. Yeah, it is. Connected to the uh, National Cathedral. Very cool to see a fellow D.C. guy get into the Hall of Fame and realizing that he was arguably one of the greatest offensive tackles to play the, the game. That was cool, learning all the history of football. Meeting the rookies when they came through for the uh, rookie symposium was fun. And going to the Indy 500 and the Procure 400 with my aunt and uncle was, was oh, fantastic as always. Beautiful. Thanks for the invite. I know, right? Sure. Scheduling. It, it, was, it was a mess. Uh, worst thing of the summer, it was sort of not the worst. Worst thing was actually not being home because I uh, didn't get a chance to go back to the good people at Texas Motor Speedway for the IndyCar weekend. And while I did get to see the U.S. national team play in Cleveland, a friendly against Belgium, that was actually the last time they have lost. As they are currently on a 12-game win streak. Semifinals of the Gold Cup was at AT&T Stadium, Jerry World. Yep. My mom and dad went to go see a very exciting U.S.-Honduras game and an even more exciting Mexico-Panama game when U.S. and Panama faced off at Soldier Field and the United States won the Gold Cup for the first time since 2007, Soldier. which is great to see the USA doing well. Another great thing in the sports, Fox Sports 1 won. How about that? It's a great sports channel. No downsides other than the uh, faux pas analysts they have. Eh, I don't know if they want to say there's no downsides yet. They had their, one of their big promos was a show called Crowd Goes Wild, hosted by Regis Flay. <laughs> Very hit or miss. I mean, there are people on it I like a lot, and there are people on it that are yeah, but you know it's only a couple weeks old, so they got room to definitely got a lot of room to grow. But yeah, probably the biggest competition ESPN 
may have ever faced, more than NBC Sports, or certainly more than CBS Sports Network. The Gottlieb Show? And did, yeah, and uh, all that, so. But, uh, yeah, so Fox Sports 1. That's right. good. Lots of other crazy stuff in the summer. Alex Rodriguez and Ryan Braun with, P- with PEDs and all that. Love it. We talked about the Johnny Manziel stuff. Replaying baseball, more is coming on the way? Absolutely. Wait, what? Instant replay? Oh, yeah, more of it coming. It's going to be in a great thing. Right, it's called football. Thanks, Sharon Vale, for stopping by, as always. A FNAC Radio will return. We are one to two this semester because Flo has class. Excuse me. But she's got to get to ASAP. So, once again, this is FNAC Radio. It's brought to you by M, where we are get. You keep you posted on when we'll be simulcasting on ATV and YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. Big F, but it's leaning more towards 7525 no. that we will do it. But check the podcast out on iTunes. Go to blogtopradio.com slash netgradio. Read Amward. Go to Bflow's blog, bflow360.com. From the notorious Ben Florence, I'm Michael Gardner saying so long. We'll see you next week. Adios.